Hello, this is Chad, and you're here for another episode of Zick and Wick. We're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 3. The name of this episode is called The Convert. It's written by Noah Kluwer, Noah Kluwer and John Favreau, directed by Lee Isaac Chung. Do you know? I... Yeah, so Lee Isaac Chung, he directed a movie that came out a couple of years ago called Minari. He's a Korean-American director. It had got a lot of, a lot of, like, awards consideration in that year. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty good episode. I mean, it was, a, it was a little bit of a different take. We haven't really done the, like, um, uh, different locations, different mm-hmm. characters. It remind, we'll get into this a little bit, but this episode reminded me a lot of Andor. More than more of an Andor episode than a Mandalorian you know, episode. Funny you say that. I was feeling the same way. It's like some of the themes were crossing over from Andor. Some of the 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 look was a crossing over from Andor. And I don't know how much. I don't think Nora Clure was involved in Mandor or in Andor at all. So I'm surprised and I'm curious how they came to decide the creative. You know, there's creative choices they made on this episode, like where it came from. Yeah, and I think just it being, we'll, we, we'll get into this. A good chunk of the, the episode is on Coruscant, so I think that is, felt similar. Um, now, the Andor Coruscant felt like we saw the underworld um, shade, not sinister, but um, darker. Where this, we see kind of bright lights of, of uh, Coruscant, which you don't really see in Andor. So there was that difference. Yeah, so this, I mean, this was, the, I, I believe this is the longest episode that Mandalorians had so far. It's definitely the longest episode of season three. I can't remember a longer one in season one or two, so. Yeah, so actually, before we get into the the body of the episode, in the previously on, the previously on was actually pretty pretty crucial for this episode because they show some characters that will pop back up in this episode that we hadn't seen in a long time and it also i don't know if you're able to see the future if you're prescient or not but zach it it seems like some of the stuff we discussed in the first two episodes of this season kind of you nailed them head like on the spot that we are really doing some of the things that were introduced in the movies, in the last set of movies, are they're popping up in the TV shows. And I don't think, if you are really, like if you're watching the cartoons, if you're reading the books, if you're reading the comics, you can kind of see that it, this is the way they're going. They're all, a lot of what they're trying to do now is explain, basically explain Palpatine in episode nine. That's a lot, it's not every storyline, but it's a lot of this, a lot of it is of what they're putting behind this is trying to figure out how to better explain that. So, but yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's working for me. One of the challenges with film is that you only have two to three hours to get everything in that you need to. Whereas in television, you can take right. your time. So some of this stuff doesn't seem as, oh, surprise, right. it's weird. In television, it's like they can, you know, feed you right. little It was little. very rushed going into episode nine because there's none of that backstory in episode eight. And there was nothing, there was no real media about it. So they're they're kind of, they're kind, kind of doing it retroactively. But I still think they're doing a good job with it. I don't think any of the stories are like over the top or don't feel like they fit. I think they're doing a good job of what they have to work with. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. So let's just talk about the previously on. In the previously on, they show Dr. Pershing and they they show Moff Gideon and they show some of the underlings of Moff Gideon. So we know something's going to happen with those people right away. They And, and they also um, show, I mean, they do a lot of kind of the buildup of the Baby Yoda, the cloning part of it, all that is kind of leading into the episode. Yeah, they're like, don't forget the yeah. stuff that we had introduced already because that's going right. to be important. Yep, they they touched on it in season one with the ba- with taking Baby Yoda's blood. They touched on it in season two with finding that base with the the Snoke looking things in the in the the big tube. So yeah, they're gonna have this. They're gonna have touch on it on every season. But all right. So yeah, getting into the actual episode. So I was actually kind of surprised with with the lead up. I thought we were going straight to Coruscant. I thought we weren't even. I thought this was going to be like a. We weren't even going to really see Din and and Bo Katan this episode. But they go straight back to the end of the previous episode, which was which was there was the question at the end of the episode: Did Din see anything when he was when Bo was bringing him out of the water? And so Bo kind of quizzes him and. He says, nope, I didn't see anything. Even She even asked, did you see anything alive down there? And he says, no. So I think Bo's kind of figuring out what to do with what she saw, how she's feeling about. She's just playing everything close to the vest. To, she doesn't want to give it away anything. So we're jumping the gun a little bit. So I, I wanted to point out one thing. We start the episode and Din is still right. unconscious. And he has his helmet on. They don't imply that this might happen, but I was kind of wondering and hoping that BK might take off his helmet and give him CPR. Oh, I, I never even thought about that. I thought about it. It, it, it they never. Impl- she was far away right. from him. She kind of just looks over, and I'm like, "Do it." That would have that would have <laughs> been an interesting. That. that would have been an interesting route to go. I mean, I guess they technically could have just jumped right back in the water and still been cleansed i guess what we see later in the episode but yeah i never that thought yeah, didn't even yeah. go by my mind that was a yeah you can just jump yeah. in and out of the water when right yeah bad. so we get done with the we get done in the caves they leave well he takes some of the yes, water he, of yes, the holy water he does take the water which becomes important later in the episode is there feel like did i miss anything else in the case i feel like you caught on in the caves a lot better than i did no he so there's another thing that he says he says that he fell he doesn't realize well i don't i don't think he was taken by the mythosaur but he says he fell into the deep water he didn't realize that it was there and bk says that that cavern formed when it was getting bombed right. so she wasn't expecting him to fall like that either like she so it probably used to have like a shallow basin that you could just walk in and now it's this nice deep cavern. And that's that's why nobody ever saw the Mythosaur before because he was probably underneath what, whatever like kind of shallow rock layer there was. But now he's now he's yeah. out in the yeah. open. He or she's out in the open. Yeah, so that's that is all that I noticed from that, that scene, but I wanted to at yeah, least point that sense. out. So we get out. So when we get out of the cave, they leave Mandalore and they talk about they're going back to Bo's home planet. I'm going to say the wrong wrong game, but Kalaval. But while they're on the way to her planet, they get they get intercepted by a tie, group of Tie interceptors. It's actually the first time we've seen the, that that particular model of Tie fighter on screen since Return of the Jedi. 
every other time it's always just been like a standard tie fighter like in the new movies in we did i think they had like a special one they did in rogue one but this is the first time we've seen tie interceptor since 1983 on screen so you can, what's the difference between a tie interceptor and just a standard it's, it has better maneuverability it's a better it's i think it has shields where the tie fighters no i don't think it does have tie shields it's basically just a better fighter it'd be like a F-18 versus an F-14 or something like that, like an upgraded upgraded ship. And you can, you can visually it has see the, the difference. So a TIE fighter has the square sides, where a TIE interceptor mm. has the pointy sides. BK mentions that, like, this is a lot of yeah. ships. Like, not just a small, like, group cluster. This is something serious. Yeah, she does happening. mention that later on after they're kind of done, done fighting. To me, the takeaway to that is is there's a bigger bad that's close by and it could be Moff Gideon. It could be somebody else, but it's not, but actually I think they consider Moff Gideon just an Imperial warlord. So it's almost like she's hinting that there's somebody higher up than Moff Gideon. That's close oh. by. Of course, my, my, Which, yep. I'm thinking yep. Thrawn, but it, yeah, it could be somebody else, but we we don't know yet. But yeah, that was a very, I, I'm glad you caught on that point. I definitely caught on that one. So they, they're in space. They get back to her planet. They're kind of fighting at the surface level. To me, this this scene was kind of like a, a combination of when they're on the water in Force Awakens, but also like Top Gun Maverick when they're doing the like the chase through the castle. Um, so I thought it was a pretty cool like aerial battle that was at the planet. That they, it was kind of a nice mix up of some older stuff. Um, yeah, I was very fond. I I thought this some of the action scenes for me are not that memorable this one seemed yeah. pretty cool to me i remember saying in while it was happening yeah wow, and even good. the i thought again going back to something i said last week i think the the visual effects in this series are very good in this season are very good so far i have no complaints with them so far um i did really like din jumping out of bow ship using his jetpack to get to his starfighter i thought that was a pretty cool little touch she uh, she kind of pulled a move like Poe Dameron does in episode eight, the kind of like the reverse move to blast the guy, but she does it a little mm. different. She has like the two wings that go up and down. She basically almost does like a drift mm-hmm. move with one of her wings and, and takes the tie out. So I thought, I thought there were some pretty cool little points of this action scene, stuff that we hadn't seen a lot. Before. I think at this, at, for some reason, when I was watching this episode, I was really thinking about just ships in general in star Wars. Like, which is the coolest yeah. ship? Who has the best ship? I really, I, I really like. So they, Bo-Katan's ship is a. It's exactly from the Clone Wars series. I've always liked that ship. I've always been drawn to that ship. It's not just her that has one. There's a couple of different Mandalorian that have that model of ship. I think it's really cool, personally. Yeah, I was gonna say the reason why I added this note was because Bo-Katan's ship looked cool to me i'm like ugh. i was looking at it in detail to this today so oh wow i'm really yeah. really fond of yeah. this well if you like more just go back and watch clone wars you'll see it you'll see it more often because it's the exact same ship and there's a couple other ones too so we get okay. so we kind of get done with uh, well actually i guess before that after they're done fighting they take out all the tie interceptors then din sees on his screen in the distance some more enemies and it's actually tie bombers bombing her castle so she's basically like 
she's basically homeless again at this point. So that kind of sets up some other things that happen later on in the episode. But they see even more TIE interceptors coming in, more TIE bombers. And at that point, they're like, we can't handle all these guys. So they, they're like, we got to get out of here. So at that point, when they go to light speed to get out of there, that's when the episode totally cuts. No more Din and Bo. We're going to Coruscant. Yeah, we have a, t- a complete POV switch, which I, well, I didn't right. expect. Me, me neither. And I mean, I I think uh, they found and, a good point in the episode to do it, but I, it was surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing we see, the very first scene where we get on Coruscant, is actually the same opera house from Revenge of the Sith, where Anakin sits with Palpatine about talking about Darth Plagueis. It's the same. Same exact place. That's where that's what they do, like the big zoom in, um, and then we get into the the actual opera house. So this isn't the, it's not no, the Senate. Nope, this the isn't Senate the Senate. Room? This is the opera house. Yep, the, oh. the opera house is very like the Senate is pretty easy to see. It looks kind of just like from the outside. It looks like a very like cylindrical giant building. This is like that kind of almost like bulb, like almost like I don't know. It's not really like the Sydney Opera House, but it's very like the architecture is very different than than anything for the senate or the or the jedi temple or anything like that it's very lavish um so we get into the opera house and we see dr pershing from season one and we see him a little bit in season two he's making a speech and the speech is all about the new republics and amnesty program which we learn is a way to integrate old imperials into the new republic it's basically not like a brainwashing but basically kind of make sure they're okay they they're on the side of the New Republic, make sure they're not going to do anything crazy, and using their skills and reintegrating them back into the New Republic. So he's he's actually talking about some of his, his main part of his speech is his cloning research and how it can improve, how it can benefit the New Republic, whether it's curing diseases or making, he, he brings up making an artificial heart for his mom. So he's kind of trying to, he's almost trying to persuade them at this point to continue with his work but for the new for the new republic it's a very good setup to the rest of this episode i think i I didn't really i thought it was a little bit of a weird thing at the very beginning but as we get into the episode it makes more and more sense why they put this in there yeah it it seemed like a an info dump to remind you of all the things that he had worked on in the past and it reminded me of a ted talk and that's why it was kind of entertaining it went on for a little bit of a some time but i thought it was a very creative way of reminding you of all the stuff he had done. there was one thing i noticed during this scene that i wasn't a hundred percent sure on there's at the very end he does this little thing where he grabs his ear it almost seems it almost seems like yeah. a tick i don't know if he's like getting ready to tell a lie and he's just a, a very bad liar and he, he has this really obvious tick he does it again later in the episode which we'll talk about but i'll i wasn't exactly sure what that was i don't know what that was either and I mean, I was thinking about it. I thought at first someone was telling him that, you know, trying to right. warn him, but he, cause he was anxious at that point of the, of the, speech. the only thing I can get, and I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. The second time he does it is when he's with his like droid parole officer and he's being questioned about mm-hmm. like, do you have any like you want to harm or do you have any ill will towards any of your coworkers, any of that stuff? And this is the second time he goes in when he's like kind of fed up with stuff. He does it again and he immediately like tells a lie. So I'm almost wondering if the opera house, was he lying about his whole mom and heart thing? That, uh, that was my theory after seeing it the second time, but it could be something else. That's just kind of my best guess at this point. 
Well, the one thing I wanted to, to so he seems really earnest and sincere about the programs that he's working on and he 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 has some you know, he has some doubts and I don't know if he feels very good about the amnesty program, but it allows him to continue right. his research. So I think he feels right. good about that. So he gets done with his talk and as he's walking out of the, the opera house, he sees some like Coruscant like dignitaries and they the, the main highlight of that conversation was that it, it's hard for them to tell the difference between the Re- Republic, the Empire, the Rebels and the New Republic on Coruscant. They basically are kind of getting at, it all just kind of feels the same. Like nothing's really even though things yeah. have changed, on Coruscant, they haven't changed. It's just kind of business as, as usual. Well, I kind of, that's, I wondered at first, so this, this begs the question, is, has there been a difference in how the citizens, how the wealthy, how the vulnerable have been treated in each iteration of the galactic governing mm-hmm. body these folks who are in Coruscant who are the wealthy don't seem to think that there's any right. sort of difference and it's a theme and it's a question that's being posed in very mediums like they 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 implying that the same question in Andor they're asking that same question in Bill Burr's episode two years ago so and it, in, in this episode, we'll talk about that they kind of question even more. We'll come to see and that. To me, what I think this is kind of, it, it does, like, this is this is definitely a big theme throughout the episode. But I think what this is kind of hinting at is this is why the New Republic just went down so easily. Because they didn't, even though, yeah, they, there's no Sith Lord at the at the head of the table. It's really not that much different than the Empire. Like, they, they've got some... They probably have some nice sugar coating on it, but like it's not everything is hard and and fast like it was in the Empire. But really, they're using the same tactics. They're doing the same thing. So after we get done at the Opera House, he takes a cab back to what's called Amnesty Housing, where Pershing meets some of the other former Imperials that are going through the same program. And they start kind of reminiscing on things they miss. They're kind of like, oh, no, yeah, we're glad the Empire is gone, but there are these things that we miss, and they all kind of go through their things. And in this scene is when we get reintroduced to Aliyah Kane. That's the female officer that they show in the in the recap at the very beginning that's on Moff Gideon's mm-hmm. ship. I, I do... She, she had a very small role in season two, but they do a... It's, I mean, obviously, John Favreau knew what he was doing. They do a good job kind of like zeroing in on her on season two, even though she doesn't really have many speaking roles. She's, she has a really small part, but they know she's going to become a bigger part of the story later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you did you remember her when they first showed her? I did. Well, they, she was in the recap. So, I mean, that helped a little bit. That, that oh, helped okay. a little bit. Yeah, that's... Um, if they didn't show her in the recap, I think it would have been very confusing for a lot of people. I I probably would have said, yeah. oh, she looks familiar, but I wouldn't have placed her as like one of the Imperial people under Moff Gideon. Gotcha. The, well, one thing to, to note is that when this episode, when we switch POVs and we go to Coruscant, we're following somebody's point of view coming into that Ted talk with Pershing. 
So, and the person that we're that we're following oh, right. is yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, she is she is the she does sit down during the talk and listens to listens to his speech. I I did forget about. So one other thing that that was interesting they talked about when all the old ex imperial officers are talking is that there's rumors about Moff Gideon escaping on the way to whatever prison he was going to. So. That was a little bit of setup for later in the later in the season, so we'll definitely be seeing we'll, we'll definitely be seeing Gus Fring again. Yes. So later in the after they're done talking, later in the evening, he's getting ready for bed. He's laying in his bed. He gets a ring. Doctor Pershing gets a ring at his door of his barracks, and there's nobody at the door. But it's a box of the one thing he said he missed about the Empire were these like biscuits that he would get, and it was a box full of those Imperial biscuits. So it's starting to kind of plant the seeds that, in his mind that, okay, maybe I shouldn't just totally give up on all this stuff um, that I did with the Empire. Mm-hmm. And he just gets, as we'll, we'll, you'll see it as we're talking, there's more and more seeds that get planted. The next scene after, the, after the, their barracks is Pershing in his new job. And it's very much like a, it's just a meaningless cataloging job, like way below like his, his skill level as a scientist. And he's cataloged imperial equipment to be destroyed. And the, the next kind of see, see, or seed that the New Republic isn't that much different than the Empire. This is exactly what Cyril Karn was doing in Andor, the kind of meaningless job he had that his, mm-hmm. that his mom got for yep. him. It's almost the exact same building. They might they probably use the same set. Yeah, it looked very similar. It, I, the desk setup was a yep. little bit different. But yeah, the, the bureaucracy of you know the government at that point, it, it, it's the same thing. And you know I, I'm pretty sure that was done yep, intentionally. It definitely was. It did seem a little brighter, but I, I also think this, this series is, a, I mean, Andor was a pretty, pretty, dark, pretty dark series. So this, I mean, this was meant to feel brighter because that's just the series in general. But besides that, it was almost like... So we get that scene while he's in there. We do our first interior... After that, we do our first interrogation with his, like, parole officer droid where he's just answering questions about, basically, that makes sure everything's going okay, that he's not thinking about being loyal to the Empire or anything like that. But that is setting up the later episode because ever during that encounter, he answers like everything perfectly. Like, yeah, I'm all on board. New Republic, New Republic. But we'll, we see he kind of starts to change his tune a little later. The next scene, him and Kane, the female, the, the former Moff Gideon officer, they go to it's called Monument Park. And this is where Kane really starts putting the pressure on him to continue his research with the with the argument that the. The res- the same argument that he had during his TED talk was that if you can do something that's going to help the New Republic, even if it's doing it with Imperial equipment, you should you should continue to pursue it. So he's starting; she's starting to plant the seeds in him too that you need to continue your cloning research. Yeah, when I when I first started seeing G eighty her, so her they all have like <laughs> it's almost like prisoner right. numbers. So her her identity her MC number is G sixty eight, and Pershing's number is L fifty two. It's very dehumanizing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like so the like, Empire. I mean, yeah. So, but there's one thing that I noticed early, a little bit early on, is that I I didn't I didn't trust Elliot. She does. I didn't trust Kane. She's something about her was. She was does off. have kind of a sly look on her face the entire time in every scene. Like she's mm-hmm. trying to, she's like she's running some kind of scam. 
Yeah. And I didn't know if she was trying to scam our boy Pershing. Well, look, I'm already taking him on my team because he sold me on his, like, his earnestness right. sold me. Right. Like, or if he was going, or she was going to recruit him onto her team and they were going to do something bad. Or if she was going to betray him. So... I was I was having those sentiments early yeah, on in this episode. You could, I could definitely feel that. I didn't know what was coming, but yeah, she didn't feel like somebody who could really be trusted. No, definitely not. So after after this scene at Monument Park, we go back to his job. It's more like kind of meaningless work. He's getting more. He's getting further behind. He has a little discussion with his boss, but he's kind of like, you can see he's like, "Why am I doing this? I should be doing something more important." Um, then it's the same thing. He goes back to his parole officer. And this is where he really, I feel like the switch flips, where he's ultimately convinces himself. Like he asked the question, is my ultimate goal to be helping the new Republic? And the parole officer says, yes, that overrides everything. And that's where he's, that's where he makes mm -hmm. the decision that, yep, we're going to go, I'm going to go get my, my equipment that yep. I need to start to continue my, continue my cloning research. Now I, by whatever means right. necessary. And I'm totally on board with you with his earnestness. At this point, I'm feeling like he really just wants to do it to help people at this point. He, like, I, I don't feel like he has any kind of ill will towards anything at this point. But, yep, yep, I was, and that's exactly where I was. So now that he's convinced himself, later that night, he, he approaches Kane back at their, at their barracks or at their housing and he says, yep, we're going to, I want to do this because I want to make the new Republic better. Um, so we get, so the next couple scenes is we're, we're, we've got a mission to, with him and Kane, they're going to basically the scrapyards where they're taking apart old Imperial Star Destroyers because she knows basically that's where I can get this equipment. This is where she says she got the biscuits from. She knows that there's the equipment he needs to do his research on there and that it's not being monitored because Everything's deactivated, so this sh she's done it before. She can do it again. We do get a kind of a cool tr train scene, but thinking back on the train scene, everything seemed a little too... Even though they did have to like flee from those droids, everything seemed a little too easy. Like The droids weren't really chasing them down. She knew the exact like right time to jump off the train at the end. Everything seemed a little too convenient on that train ride. Yeah. Either... either... Well, she had said she did say that she has done been there before, so she knows the route. She knows where she's going, so she was prepared yep. for this. And I, I guess that you could be seeing that the droids might be in on it, or that the people around them are also in on it. But there remains that, to be seen. Yeah, the thoughts weren't really like I was kind of. I didn't see this. I didn't see a setup coming while it was going on. But looking back, I'm like, okay, there are a lot of signs there that, yeah, if you, if you were looking for it, you could see it. So they get to the they get to the Star Destroyer. They get to the med medical supply place, and then all of a sudden they start hearing people coming at like approaching the ship. They get out of the sh they get everything packed up what he needs in this one case. They get out of the ship, and surprise, it's a trap. She's in on it all along. She's she's the one that has told the guards that he's going to be there to steal this equipment. So she's, I mean, she, it's a setup. It's a total setup from her where she was egging him along, egging him on the whole time to see if he was still loyal to the Empire or not. And basically, this is kind of what, what happened. Oh, do you, so do you think that's what she was doing? Testing to see, testing his loyalties? I, I I believe you... that is her role in the new, that's her kind of job in the New Republic, is to 
find the imperial imperial bad eggs and get them out so they can go be brainwashed essentially that's oh so i i I thought i wasn't sure but i thought that there was something going on with the lab equipment and she might be working with moth gideon or thrawn or somebody so that is that I wasn't I, I wasn't sure exactly what at that point in the episode I wasn't sure what her angle was. I wasn't sure if she's working for the New Republic. I wasn't sure if she was like is she a double agent somehow? Like just like you said is she still working for Gideon? Is she working for Thrawn? What exactly she's doing? She's going to have a bigger role in this in this season. So I think we'll find out. But after so after he gets caught, they take him to a lab where they use this thing called a mind flare. Um, which is basically just like a mind eraser. It's a, almost like a mind eraser. But they tell him that they're going to use it on low settings. But they kind of they have a little bit of a back and forth about he keeps the the doctor that's going to do it or the technician that's going to run the operations. Like so, like no, we do it on low power now. We're nothing like the Empire. We don't we don't brainwash people. It'll just like help massage your mind and get rid of the bad thoughts. And he keeps telling him, it's a mind player. It's a mind player. It's going to erase my brain. So I think this is more kind of the theme of the episode of it may be the New Republic, but they're still using the exact same tools the Empire used. They may just be putting a sugar coat on it, but it's it's not any different, really. Mm-hmm. So then he's, they start the procedure. He, they're at low power. He's kind of underneath. He's under it in the, the kind of the lightning bolts are going through his head. And for some reason, Kane stays back and cranks the power all the way up on the mind flare, which is what he was hope what he didn't want to happen. This is where this is where it's definitely like, okay, she's got to be some kind of double agent. She's not just doing this as part mm-hmm. of the New Republic. She's doing this for somebody else too. And maybe it's, I mean, my best guess at this point is whoever's in charge, whether it's Gideon or Thrawn, she knows that she knows that Pershing is loyal. And that she is, they are going, he's going to eventually help the New Republic develop this cloning technology that benefit them. And they're telling her, shut him down, get it out of his brain so he cannot help them. That, that cloning knowledge mm-hmm. needs to be, is just for us, it's not for them. That was... So do you think, do you think he's already developed the technology enough for the, for the, the bad people, the quote unquote bad people? And they're in a good enough position. This is this is where I'm like I need to. Oh, I mean, I want to know more. Yeah, no, we don't know yet. We don't know how far he made it at the end of like at the end of season two. We did. There was the message in that episode in season two when they're on when they're with the whole group of them is busted in on the lab that's got the Snoke looking bodies. There is a message from him where Mm -hmm. he says he needs more of Baby Yoda's blood, more of Grogu's blood. We don't think he ever. Well, maybe he did get it because they did capture Grogu later that season. So maybe, maybe he did. Yeah. Maybe they did get some more blood, and maybe he's he was able to advance his his research a little more. So they they may have what they need at this point, and now they're just trying to erase him as an asset for the New Republic. <laughs> what are the chances we see Snoke in this in this season? I don't know. It's it wouldn't if it happened. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, the other thing that we got to think about is everybody, including myself, wanted to see yep. more Snoke. I yep. wanted to see more Snoke. Maybe we'll get Maybe we that. will. It may not be this season. It may be, it may be a later season, but they've already set it up with those Snoke-looking things in the, in the tank. So 
Yeah, that's, I mean, so at the end of that, end of that little run where he's getting the, getting mind flayed, that's where he's getting a shock exactly. treatment. That's basically the end of the course on run. And then we switch back to Din and Bo-Katan. Is there anything that, we missed, that I missed toward the end that you can remember about, about Coruscant? Let me see about our time yeah. at Coruscant. No, I don't think so. I, I, in my notes, I wrote down, I thought she was definitely working with Gideon, yeah. but I guess it could be yeah, other folks we don't, too. We don't know. Well, I think, I think we'll find out though. Pretty, I'm pretty sure we'll find out. So now we're back to the, we're back with Din and Bo-Katan and he is take Din is taking Bo back to the planet that had the big alligator dinosaur creature at the very beginning with the armor and the children of the watch. They're kind of reluctant to, they get, they land the, the, the cult members are base are kind of reluctant to let him in, but they do let him in. Din present. Did the, you, they they call themselves the covert or the, the cohort? Yeah, what was the word? Co- 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 I think it's covert. I, I, is it co? I thought that's what I thought. Yeah. Covert, but I couldn't understand. Yeah, it, at it was first. it was a little bit of a weird word, but yeah, I think it just was what they were using for the group of them. I I call them a cult still because I think that's kind of what they are still. But well, they are. But I, my question is: Is this one small group of a larger whole that's maybe disparate and spread apart, or is this all that remains? I think that's all. This is all that remains of their group. But I definitely think there's other groups of Mandalorians out there that are from different clans or different factions that. Ultimately, the whole one of the goals of either Bo or Din is going to be to unite all the unite anybody that's left over. But I think I think this is I think this is the same group that was in the sewers at the very beginning of in season one mm-hmm. that helped Din get out. This is that same group. So I, I think this is all that's left of. So now Din, now that they're inside, he presents the water from the mines to the armor. She pours it in her little tank for her little Harry Potter tank that lights up. It says, yep, this is the right water. And she basically says, yep, you're accepted back into the cult. Did you know that the water would no, do No, I this? don't know what is special about the water that must have some chemical in it that reacts with whatever she's got. I didn't, yeah, who yeah. knew what it was. Well, I think it just adds to the idea, the concept that it is the living waters. I was wondering if they're, because the, BK does not believe there's anything special about yeah. this water. So some of that that non that disbelief is might be going away little by little. For I think BK. it definitely is. And then to stay with Bo, we get a little bit of a mini twist where the armor also accepts Bo back into the into the group because she bathed, she went to save him, so she's bathed in the waters, and she hasn't removed, removed her helmet since Din since they since they left Mandalore. So she's still good in their book and. Kind of the surprising part of that, I mean, you can't really tell because they all have their helmets on, but Bo actually seems like she's kind of okay with it. Like she's, to me, yeah. it seems like, well, she hasn't really had a group of Mandalorians that to, hasn't had been a part of a group in a long time. So even though this isn't ideal for her, she's like, okay, I can, I can deal with this and I'm yeah. willing to. I think she's a little excited to be part of a right i think you're exactly right and then the very last scene we get her looking on the we get her looking at the myth the mythosaur skull and you know she's like there's just so much running through her mind is like what am i going to do with this new group i have what am i going to do with this knowledge i have how am i going to use this to 
am I going to use this to reunite Mandalore, to take Mandalore back? You know, she's just like, everything is running through her mind at this point when she's staring at that mythosaurus skull. So kind of going back on the title of the episode, the title was The, the Convert. We actually have we actually have two yeah. converts. It's Dr. Pershing and Bo for this for the for the episode. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought the it was the format was a little different than we get for Mandalorian with the like kind of the the really long middle and then the short the short ends on the at the beginning and the end, but I don't know. I thought it worked pretty well. It kept me on my toes and I like this episode a lot. It's one of I would say it's my top no, I, five episodes of the entire I think show it, I, I feel like this one it wasn't my top five on the when i first viewed it but i think this one is one that will grow on me over time mm-hmm. yeah I, I this is the sort of stuff the thought-provoking episodes are the best ones yep, for i me. agree so what did we what did i miss i know that was a there was a lot to talk about in this episode i don't think you missed anything in certain in terms of plot points we talked about our the themes a little bit as we were going did you also did you know that uh, the actress playing kane is one of the warriors in ant-man in quantum mania oh she's like the yeah. badass like the, oh, the, like the yes. open yeah showing she does. okay now that mm-hmm. you say that i can definitely i i definitely remember that now nope yeah, and she's she's also popped up in a lot of comic book, sci-fi, TV, that makes and sense. film. She kind of seems like she fits that role. Yep, yep. Let's see. Did I have any other notes? No, nothing specifically about this from the episode itself. I was doing some googling though just before some some searches, and I saw that. Filoni must have said something recently, basically promising or hinting that there was going to be a major crossover between the various Star Wars contents out yes. there. Yes. So, and actually, this kind of goes back to something Kathleen Kennedy said. It was it was at like one of those Disney D twenty three or Disney Days, and it was a long time ago. It was probably 2020, 2021. That all of this, when she was announcing like Ahsoka, Rangers of the New Republic, all like kind of the new series, um, that it will all culminate in a crossover, crossover episode, either series or movie or whatever it is. But yeah, he just, he kind of confirmed that it's going to happen. They're going to take everything from Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, whatever happens in Ahsoka, and it's all going to kind of culminate in whatever big ending they they're choosing, but I think they're uh, they're still working up to it. Because I, I think I remember Favreau saying they're not even halfway done with the story they want to tell. Oh, so Favreau has an ending yep, in he, mind. Yeah, he's he's confirmed that this like Mandalorian is not the Mandoverse. The story he wants to tell, they're he either said they're not at the halfway point yet, or they're just now approaching the halfway point. Something something to that effect. Yep. Okay. Okay. And, and then. S- Staying well, on the, Dave Filoni, he is one of the writers for next week's episode. Oh, <laughs> get yourself so, you know, excited. excited! So it's that I mean, it means a couple. One of a couple things is going to happen. We're going to either we're going to see Ahsoka, or we might see. Th- it, it may just be a like they may just do more connections to the Clone Wars, the animated show. But I don't know. Every Dave Filoni's done an episode, we get some kind of big reveal. So I think I think something yeah. something some kind of big shocker is coming next week. I I would yeah. bet on it. I I think and so. it is. Uh, it's Carl Weathers is directing the episode. So um, I don't know. I feel okay. like I 
I'm trying to remember what he direct, which episodes he directed in the past, but I always feel like I liked his episodes. They were more like, I don't think his episodes were very like dark, not dark, but very serious. I feel like his episodes were more lighthearted, but, but I can't, oh, okay. I, I can't remember off the top of my uh, head, which ones he's directed. Let's see. Let's see if I can figure this out quickly. Yeah, I, sh- I should have so directed done by, my research. I should have been better prepared with the. He did the siege last year, or last season, and oh, that that is... was the one that they go to with the with the cloning tank. So actually, that one was pretty pretty intense. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Doctor Pershing and Moff Gideon were okay. In... Yep. So that was a big. Yep. I mean, that was a big. I don't. Th- I don't think Filoni wrote that one, but that was a big reveal like episode. So I mean, he's got. He, he obviously has has experience directing some big reveal moments. So, yep, yeah. So we, we've definitely pivoted away from the monster of the week mission of the week episodes, and we are like, there's no turning back now. This is a serialized show, and it's about you know, there's there's something specific that we're the there is a specific storyline that we are working on. Now we're not doing something where that, that doesn't have any definition. I hope you're right because this was more on the clone, like the animated side. This happened a lot of Rebels, the the TV show Rebels. They would be building, 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 and then they would throw a a filler a filler episode. episode. In. It was sometimes the filler episode. It felt like filler, but then it connected well at the end. But I don't know. Hopefully they're not doing that, and hopefully they don't do all this. Hopefully they don't spoil the momentum they've built in the first three episodes. I hope we just keep going because it's only eight episodes. I mean, we've only got five left. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think they're going to do filler. Well, they could, they might, maybe they'll do one, but in the case of animation, it is very common to have filler episodes right. every here and there because the time it takes to, to actually animate and, you know, put together an episode is significant. So sometimes they'll just, I think they'll have like a splinter mm-hmm. team that'll just do one episode by itself. Now I do like season two. I do feel like we had one kind of filler episode. It did have some connections to the rest, but it was the spider episode on the ice planet with frog lady. Yeah, it, it seems- did. I mean, it did play into the next episode where they go to frog lady's planet and, and that's where they, that's where we meet Bo-Katan the first time. And then we get the name drop for, for, for Ahsoka. So, I mean, it did, like if you took that as like a two part episode, then it's good. But the that episode that that's the last really filler one that I, I can remember. And then going back to yep. season one, the 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 first season with or the first episode with Bill Burr, the like the the prison escape one. That one felt like filler at the time, but it did introduce Bill Burr's character, which ended up setting up really nicely for season two. So, I. I I don't yep. think like we may I wouldn't be surprised if we got a filler episode but usually they're pretty good about connect giving it they're usually good about putting it in there for a reason. But again, yeah. I just hope we don't lose the momentum because I feel like we've got really good momentum with this season so far. I don't think it's going to be next week though. If we're going to get a filler episode or we're going to take a a, a a beat to catch our breath it might be after next week because I think next week's yep. going to be crazy. We, we might, yeah, with episode five, I think we might yeah, have a break. I I wouldn't be surprised that they kind of treat this as the like some some series shows series will do like mid season finales. They could 
they could treat next episode like like that because it is episode four. It's the halfway point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Zach, you got yeah, anything that's else? All I got that was we we talked almost as long as the episode was. I think the episode was like fifty five minutes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we've been. I've been streaming for. Oh shoot, lost count. I've been streaming for almost an hour. And the audio recording is about just over yep. 50 minutes, so. That's what happens when you put out a long episode. Lots to talk about. Oh, hold on a second. We had some chatter in Twitch, and I did oh not boy. see it. Okay. Let's see. I'm reading through all the comments again for the first time. I feel like she's just getting all the traders from Moff Gideon. Oh, yeah, so so Corey thought that uh, Eli Kane was was you know just capturing all the old Moth Gideon. Crew. So I I that thought went through my head too. But why would she crank the Mind Flayer up to ten? Because he's going to be useless to them now. He's not going to remember any of his research. Yeah. So that's when I'm like, no, there's got to be something else going on. There's got to be something more sinister than that. Yeah, he also he also thought it might have been something about getting rid of the folks who who knew about yeah, the clone. I, I think that that's what I'm leaning towards. I think they have the information they need. He he completed his research enough that that the remnants of the empire don't want him around. Anymore. No, the comments, but it does. The chat does seem to want to hear more about Ted Lasso. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet either. I would be down to talk about it, but it would be much more casual conversation and maybe we should get some of our other more soccer knowledgeable fans in on the conversation once, the, once we once i watch it i would have no problem ta- doing a five minute lasso session at the end oh at the at the end of our, yeah, our regular we, episodes yeah we can, you do, can that. do that Let's do that next week okay next week we'll do a little five minute ted lasso we'll try to do chat. i'll try to watch we'll definitely watch episode one hopefully i'll watch episode two by then but and Wednesdays are busy now. I mean, you've got Mando coming out. I watch Bad Batch, which also comes out on Wednesday, and Ted Lasso on Wednesday. So, Oh, they still have Bad yeah, Batch? Bad Batch has on? got a couple. I think it ends the same day as... It might end a week before Mando. I think it has four episodes left. Yep. Mm. And apparently they just started shooting Daredevil in New York this past oh, week or cool. so. That's going to be a series, right? That's on a movie? It- yeah, it's a series, and well, I bring it up because it's gonna have a lot of episodes. I forget exactly how many, but it's like at least in the in yeah, the I high think I remember hearing that too. All right, Zick, thank you, thank you for another great All right, episode. Sounds good. I'll see you next week for hopefully some awesome Ahsoka or Thrawn talk. And until then, may the force be with you. Have Bye. a great day.